Please remain standing as we read this glorious passage of Scripture here out of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Love this passage. Here as I read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first the hope, the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord God, we direct our hearts to you, thanking you for your word. It is so rich as we read this passage you have done everything that is necessary for our salvation. You have chosen us in Christ. You desire that we be holy and blameless before you. And all that is due to the blood of Christ who has cleansed us. Lord Jesus, be with Pastor Andrew as he comes now to speak to us. Bless his words to our heart, we pray. We bring all this to you now in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's great to be together this morning, kind of a kickoff Sunday in terms of the fall season. You guys all made it on time. Congratulations. Uh, the new time frames. Uh, Thank you, too, for making room, moving over, allowing people to sit. We have a full house. I think about that even in parking. You know, some of you who are healthy and can walk, if you can leave some of the closer spots for those that might have a little more difficulty, we just seek to love one another. Encourage you to, if you see somebody, I know we have the name tags on today, uh, who you haven't met before, just uh, greet them. In the name of the Lord, maybe they've been here for 10 years and you just never have run across them. That's okay. Uh, maybe it's their first time and they will appreciate that greeting. I think I mentioned, you know, Lisa and I on our sabbatical visited so many different churches uh, over the, the three months. And you could definitely tell that 
uh, you know, you felt a lot better when people greeted you uh, versus when you walked in and walked out and, and nobody really said anything. Great passage. Jerry obviously reminded us of, of how much he loved it. Uh, it is a wonderful passage of Scripture. I think I mentioned last week, I know I mentioned last week, uh, this is one sentence in, in the Greek. I think it's about five or six sentences. They've divided it up in English, and we're going to see one of the ways that they made a choice with that this week uh, that may or may not be right uh, in the ESV, but it's, it's all one sentence, and uh, it, it tells a great story of salvation. And I was thinking about this, I came across uh, a news story, this is actually from May of 2021, and in it, a guy by the name of John Bauer, uh, who I, I know a John Bauer, this is not that John Bauer, uh, clarifying for my family who also know John Bauer, uh, but uh, he was driving in Maryland and was doing errands with his roughly 11-year-old daughter when he was the witness for an accident. Uh, this, uh, in this accident, a truck hit a barrier in the road, flipped, and uh, came to rest exactly on the bridge over the Ossawoman Bay uh, in, in Maryland. And uh, as he got out, stopped the car, got out, he came to the vehicle, and there was a man who was crawling out of the vehicle, and he was obviously in shock, couldn't say anything, but he pointed into the water where there was a, a car seat uh, and a, a child in a pink whatever, uh, bobbing in the water, head up, uh, arms flailing. As Mr. Bauer observed this, the child turned over on his back, on her back, on her front, uh, with her face in the water. He looked at his daughter, mouthed "I loved you," jumped up on the railing and dove 25 feet into the bay, where he swam to the little girl, got her up, uh, you know, aggressively patted her where she coughed. And he was able to get her into a nearby boat, and uh, the situation was rescued. Um, it, it's an incredible story of just in the moment, ordinary guy out doing errands with his daughter, sees a need and dives in, and there was uh, something that could have gone in a completely different direction uh, is, is saved for the day. I share that story with you because this sentence that we have here in Ephesians is about a rescue. Uh, it's about a rescue from above. It's about a rescue of someone, who, namely us, who has no ability to rescue ourselves. It, it's about a rescue that if it didn't happen, we would be dead. Uh, and in a very real way, uh, the whole book of Ephesians is about this rescue. You notice in this passage, uh, I had Jerry read the whole thing. We're only going to be looking at verses 3 to 6 this morning. But you notice in this passage that there are three distinct units. Uh, they 
each of them end with roughly these words, to the praise of His glorious grace. You see it there in verse 6. You see it again in verse 12, to the praise of His glory. And then you see it in verse 14, to the praise of His glory. Each of them ends a unit uh, talking about a different member of the Trinity. So in verses 3 to 6, as we will see today, we're going to hear about the Father and we're going to hear about His love and the way that uh, He has worked before the foundations of the world in order to prepare a people for His Son, who we hear about then in verses 7 to 12, who enters into the world, dives into the water, as it were, in order to effect this rescue. He gives His life as a ransom. And then in the last few verses, we read about the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, uh, the guarantor of our inheritance. And so we've just sung this Trinity song, and we see the work of the Trinity uh, in our lives, in the fabric of the universe before the foundations of the world. Uh, now, there are some deep things here, things that, that we certainly cannot understand with our, our human minds. You know, Paul will talk about the mystery of godliness or the mystery of salvation. But that doesn't mean that we can't wrestle with it. And that doesn't mean that we can't approach it. And that doesn't mean that we can't allow it to speak to us, because the good news is it's not just Vandermoss here uh, this morning. It is the Holy Spirit uh, who meets with us and who applies uh, His Word to our hearts. So, a few observations for you. We're focusing on the Father. We're focusing on His love uh, for His creation, and uh, we are, are seeking to understand a little bit more or approach the holiness of this Father who chose us in love. Two ways I want to look at this this morning. The first is relationally. Uh, he, he picked us. You, you see the language that's here, don't you, in this passage, how He chose us uh, in love before the foundation of the world in order that we might be adopted uh, through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Chosen, in love, adopted. Uh, those are enormous, enormous categories uh, for us to comprehend, for us to just soak in. Uh, now, I don't know exactly where everybody is. Uh, for some of you, you have been walking with the Lord for a long time. Uh, you've thought about these categories before. I'm sure you've wrestled with this passage of Scripture before. Uh, but it's good for us to stop and to pause and to remember what is being said here. Others, I know, uh, are still wondering about this, maybe even longing in a way that you can't articulate what it means to, to be adopted, to belong. It's such a, a primal longing. I think Many of you know we've hosted fo young people in our home as foster parents over the years, and uh, there have been, even recently, we, we had a young man in our home whom this church loved very well, 
who just had a deep desire uh, to, to be adopted. Uh, there are so many ways in which he would indicate that. I mean, even saying, I'm just tired of being a foster kid. I, I just want to be adopted. And uh, the Lord just worked it out wonderfully. I mean, the end of that story is just a, an incredible provision of the Lord in this young man's life. But the longing, the longing uh, is so real to all of us. There is a reality here that God is telling us that apart from His moving towards us, Apart from his picking us, apart from his choosing us, we are in that situation where we are longing uh, for a place to hang our picture on the wall. We're longing to belong because we are absent that relationship. And that's what is being communicated to us here in, in a very real way is that God, before the foundations of this world, set His affections on a people. He set His affections on a people who He would draw into relationship with Himself through the finished work of the Son. Do you know that? Like existentially, in your, in your being, that sense of being drawn, we've sung a bit about that this morning. I sought the Lord and afterwards I knew. Uh, it wasn't me seeking Him, but there was a response that was going on. I, I was responding to these cords of love uh, that have been extended to me. It's a very relational thing. I mentioned, you know, we have these uh, challenges with the sentences. You see how um, in the, the, uh, the, the translation here, at the, in the middle of verse 4, toward the end of it, it says that we should be holy and blameless before Him, period. Uh, in love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, uh, the, the translators of the ESV decided to put in love the little clause there with the predestination. Certainly not wrong, uh, but we have to remember there's, there's no end to this sentence in Greek, and there's no, uh, there's no period there, and we're not exactly sure where that clause goes. It, it could go with this idea that we are to walk before Him holy and blameless in love. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But it's certainly not wrong for us to see the love here because it's relationship that, that overarches this passage. You know, as we come to this, this isn't just some abstract doctrine. This isn't just uh, a collection of ideas that are floating out there. This is a father's love that is being extended through his only begotten son to his adopted children, uh, you and me and all who would surrender to the Lord Jesus. Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who we've been looking at in our devotions, he says this. He says, our adoption is the highest expression even of God's love. Uh, 
I speak carefully and with reverence when I assert that this statement and the parallel statements in the 8th chapter of Romans, 4th chapter of Galatians, are the highest expression of the love of Almighty God. There's nothing higher than this. As is clear from the Apostle John's way of saying it, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God. It's a beautiful, beautiful way to think about your relationship with Him. And there is that promise, too, that we are adopted as sons. Now, we realize it could be sons and daughters, but there is something about the son. Uh, because the son in the, those days was the inheritor, the one who was given all of the, uh, all of the resources in order that they might uh, continue to play them out and, and be a blessing to the community and all that were part of that household. Uh, but here Jesus is saying, you are all adopted as sons. You are all inheritors. There is nobody who is a second-class citizen. You are recipients of every spiritual blessing uh, that is in the heavenly places. Uh, we are all in our adoption, not only brought into the family of God and have a place where we belong, but it is bestowed upon us all of the spiritual blessings. So I hope that that is an encouragement for you. Uh, as you continue to walk, to realize who you are in the cosmic scheme of things, uh, to realize that you are seen, that you know, are known, that you matter, uh, that you have been picked out, chosen in love, and it has been bestowed upon you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Like if you want a place to just meditate this week, you know, pick a phrase. Yeah, in love, every spiritual blessing. Uh, th these are wonderful, wonderful things that can't help but stir the soul. The second way I want to look at this, though, is in terms of the plan. Because a little bit different than John Bauer and his happening to come across uh, this situation on the Asawoman Bay Bridge, uh, God knew before He even created the world that there was going to be the need for this rescue. And it wasn't just happen chance that sent the sun into the world around uh, the turn of B.C. to A.D., uh, but rather it was God's plan from before the foundations of the world. Again, look at our sentence and look at all of the verses that speak about God's plan. Even as He chose us, verse 4, in Him before the foundation of the world, he predestined, he, he saw ahead of time, he planned it out uh, according to the purpose of his will, verse 5, through wisdom and insight, verse 8, according to his purpose again, verse 9, as a plan for the fullness of time, verse 10, again in 11, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. It, it's not an accident. <laughs> I mean, over and over and over again, we, 
we are told that this love that God has set on His people is something that uh, is according to His wisdom and insight and counsel and purpose and all of these things uh, just over and over and over again. Now, I recognize that uh, we come here to one of the deep mysteries of the Scriptures. You know, we, we come to this uh, uh, this seeming conflict between our will and God's sovereignty, uh, our ability to choose and God's choice. Uh, and this has perplexed many godly people over the years, and some people have wanted to emphasize one side of this equation, while other people have wanted to emphasize uh, another side of this equation, and uh, there has been disagreement among good people uh, over, the, over the centuries. A couple of comments on this just as we walk through it, and obviously we're, we're not going to answer everything today, and I would... Um, I would contend we're not supposed to answer everything today. Uh, first comment is, is this. When we come to this, we come to something that is biblical. Uh, this is not something that is just a derivative of systematic theology or, uh, you know, some system that seems to fit together, so we're going with this. I mean, they, these are the Bible's words to us, and as I just highlighted for you just in this sentence, um, it, it's pretty clear that something was going on before the foundations of the world. Now, part of our struggle with that is we just can't even conceive of that. Like, what, what is time before time? Okay, I'm done. I, I've got nothing, you know, when it, it comes to that. We, we are just, we, we, we come to the, the outer reaches of our human intellect at this point. And that's something that we don't really like to reckon with, but it's true. And so we come to this and we recognize it's biblical. We also recognize it's, it's difficult. Uh, this is a difficult way of, you know, we've, we've come to the end of our intellect, and so for us to understand this, we, we say, I, I don't know. But we also affirm that, well, you know, when it comes to God's choice and our choosing, that both of them are true, 100%. Uh, 100% that, that God has, if, you know, just as we sang a minute ago, if you have responded to God by surrendering your life to Him, uh, it is only because He has a priori, He has ahead of time, He has, be, you know, regenerated you, He has set His affection on you, He has done something in your life in order to make you, to allow you to have that, that choice of Him. When, when Mr. Bauer jumped into the water, if he hadn't slapped that child on the back, that child never would have breathed again. Uh, but it is only at that initiative that the child begins to breathe. And so Paul will say later on in Ephesians, he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, I've never actually been in the morgue, but I, I know that people in the morgue don't usually get up and start walking around and talking again. 
You know, unless there is something that, that enervates them, that brings them back to life, uh, revivifies them, uh, there, there isn't that possibility. And so one of the things that we're seeing here is that God's work is imperative. But, you know, we also know biblically that, that we are called to respond to Him. And, and so we, we can't live a life where we say, well, it's up to God whether I'm saved or not. It's up to God whether He has chosen me uh, or not, which, while true, is not the whole sense of what the gospel calls us to. The gospel calls us to respond. The gospel calls us to live holy and blameless, as we're going to see in a moment. The gospel calls us to, to the praise of His glorious grace, and this is our responsibility so both things are true, uh, God's choice of us and our choosing of Him. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I love Charles Spurgeon, he has a way of putting things, and he talks about, you know, some people see the need to reconcile uh, God's choosing and our choice, and so we get these really strange sort of uh, doctrines. Like, for instance, some people will talk about uh, foreknowledge, and they'll say, well, God chooses us on the basis of something that He sees down the corridors of time whereby we will choose Him. Uh, that, that's an improper sort of way to think about that, um, but it's an attempt to reconcile. It's improper because we think about foreknowledge in terms of intellect and knowing something, whereas the Bible speaks about, you know, knowledge to know is to love. You know, God foreloved us would be an appropriate way to talk about that foreknowledge. Fits in exactly with what Paul is saying here in Ephesians, in love he predestined. So, you know, his foreknowledge is his setting his, his love on us. But it's an attempt to reconcile these things and to explain something that we cannot explain. Spurgeon says this way, there's no need to reconcile friends. They already get along together. So this idea of God's choosing uh, and our responsive choice, these are not at odds with one another, uh, but they're two sides to the same coin. Uh, and, and there's no need to reconcile friends. They, they fit together. But I, I hear some of the other objections, and they're, they're good, legitimate objections. You know, like, what about my lifestyle? If God chooses me, then it, then it doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter what I do. I, I can just go ahead and, and, and sin, or I can go ahead and, and live a profligate, hedonistic lifestyle, and, and it doesn't matter because God's choice is, you know, irrevocable. And it's true, God's choice is irrevocable, but, but Paul answers this question, doesn't he, in Romans? You know, can we just sin uh, so that grace may more abound. And what does Paul say? He says, meganoito, uh, by no means. I mean, it's a very, very strong, emphatic no. And we see that here in this passage as well. We are chosen to be part of the family. We're chosen to exhibit the traits of our Father. We're, we're chosen to bear His name. Well, what about the idea then that, uh, you know, we, we can't, we shouldn't evangelize or uh, we can't tell if 
um, you know, a loved one that I have or somebody around the world. I mean, we, we just don't know. Uh, there's several things to say about this. You know, one is just simply the idea of means. You know, God, God does have a plan, but He uses means. You know, God had a plan to rescue the world, and He still sent His Son. He sent His Son to die on a cross. He sent His Son to, to take our sin, to become sin. God, God uses means, and God uses you, and God uses me as means by which He is drawing other people to Himself. Think about your own life. You know, think about the means that God has used to draw you to Himself. It hasn't just been this, uh, you know, sort of in, indeterminate uh, sense of God drawing you. There, there may be that in some people, but God uses means. He uses parents. He uses grandparents. He uses neighbors. He uses a guy at work, a, a lady uh, who you play sports with. I mean, he, he uses all different types of people, and so we cannot just take our hands off. The last thing I'll just say about this is nobody who truly desires a relationship with the Lord, truly desires uh, to be part of that number, will ever be turned away. Uh, we know this. Now, again, how it all works out, it's beyond our, our ken, beyond our knowing, right? Uh, but that it all works out, we know. Anyone who comes to the Father, I will in no wise cast out, says the Lord. So rather than being something that gives us indigestion, uh, this should be a doctrine that, that, gives us, um, that, that gives us comfort because what we see here is the reality that our belonging to God doesn't demand, doesn't depend upon our ability to know the right things, to do the right things, you know, to, to stay in His love. Like, those are the things that He is providing for us. I love the way that Eric Alexander, Scottish preacher, he says, you know, the doctrine of God's choosing of predestination, it, it's not a banner to, to march under. Like we as Presbyterians or Calvinists, you know, we're not like, here we come, we're the predestinarians, you know, it's not a banner to march under. It's not a bomb to drop on somebody in some theological argument like, mic drop, uh, you're chosen. No, what, what Alexander says is it's a bastion to rest in when we find ourselves in those moments of personal turmoil, it is a balm for our soul. You were chosen in love. And all of your affection that you have for Christ, all of your longing for Him, it's because He put it there. It's because He is drawing you with those cords. The last thing I want to highlight for you, I've already alluded it to you a couple of times today, is that we are peopled. 
Uh, we are peopled. Uh, we are brought into this community. Uh, we're, we're made to be part of his family, uh, and we are to exhibit that. One of my favorite adoption stories is the story of Michael Webster. I may have shared it with you before. Uh, he was a, a young boy who this family uh, had chosen. They had been working with various kids and institution, and, and they said, Michael is the one that we've set our affection on. And so on the day that they were going to take him home to his forever home, they stopped and they bought this Kelly Green sweatshirt and, and they put the word Webster, which was their last name, on it. And Michael uh, took the shirt and he wore the shirt and he didn't take the shirt off, and he wore it again and wore it again. And finally, after like two weeks, the mom said, we have to wash this thing. And uh, so, but as soon as it was ready, he had that shirt on again. And he wore that shirt out uh, in two years. Like there was nothing left to it. But he wanted to show the world that he belonged, that he was a Webster. And so he put on the clothes uh, that identified him as such. And here's what we see here in this passage. He has chosen us uh, before in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. You know, if we take that clause and we put it there at the end of that, we recognize that the response our loving response to Him is that we wear His clothes. You know, Paul will talk about this in, in Colossians. You know, put on then uh, you know, compassion and kindness and this, this whole list of virtues. This is the, the, the clothes that demonstrates that we belong to Him. Here, Paul puts it in, in these two words, holy and blameless. One is more positive, the other is more negative. Uh, not in a bad sort of way, but blameless, you know, without blame, uh, that we, we avoid, we stay away from sin, uh, and, and this is part of our purity, our piety. It's the, it's the clothes that we wear to reflect whose we are and, and that we belong to this family. Holiness is that positive quality of, of goodness. So again, you know, when we read Colossians, you know, put off, put, put off all the deeds of wickedness. That's the blameless part of it. Put on compassion, kindness, all of the, the fruits of the Spirit, the, the holiness, the righteousness that we are to reflect. This isn't something that, that we just do. Notice the order is really important. You know, it's not holy and blameless in order to be chosen. It's you're chosen in order to be holy and blameless. And that's all the difference in the world. You know, there, there are so many people who are working on the opposite side, the opposite order, where they're saying, okay, I'm, I'm really striving, I'm really trying here to be holy and blameless in order that, you know, God might love me. And maybe you'll even find some of that sort of lurking in your own hearts and behaviors. But God is telling us, no, you're chosen in order to be holy and blameless. And finally, just noting, and we'll come back to this in the weeks that follow, you know, part of our response to Him is to the praise, 
of his glorious grace, to the praise of his glory. What, is, what, what are we peopled with? We're peopled with, with purity or piety, and we're peopled with praise. You know, so we come together on a Sunday morning, uh, and, and one of the big things that we do is we lift our voices in praise. We, we sing out. Uh, we greet one another. We, we praise the Lord with one another. When we go to our, our workplaces, as we do our work, we are, we are doing so in order to bring praise to the Lord. As we interact with our neighbors, as we uh, play our sports, as we play our music, as we do all of these things, it is to the praise of His glory. We're good Presbyterians, right? What is the chief end of man? That we might glorify God and praise Him forever. And that is what God is calling us to do, to live to the praise of His glory. John Stott, he asks a, a big question that I think helps us kind of zero in um, on where we've been in this passage. He says, why did God go ahead with creation when He knew that man would rebel and that there would be a fall? It's a great question. You know, why, why did God go ahead with that? It's not a conclusive answer. I'm not sure that humanity could come up with a co- conclusive answer. Uh, but there is something that is helpful. <clears throat> We're able to say on the strength of this passage that God has destined humanity for a higher dignity than what creation alone could bestow on us. There is a story at work. There is a mystery at work. There is a love of a God that is filtering through the universe that has a dignity for you. You know, that Dan Fogelberg song, uh, some of you will connect with the Dan Fogelberg era better than others. Uh, He's not obviously writing about God, but what he is capturing there in his lyrical whisper is, I think, a truth that Paul has been intending us to understand here this morning. Longer than there have been fishes in the ocean, higher than any bird ever flew, Longer than there have been stars in the heaven, God says, I've been in love with you. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this word. We recognize that we have truly, truly come uh, to the edges of our understanding. and We pray uh, that you would help us not just simply to desire an understanding intellectually, but help us to desire this encounter, uh, this uh, experience of, of, uh, of feeling your love, of knowing the reality of it, and responding. Father, we pray that uh, wherever we are on this journey, that there would be that sense of, um, of going deeper whether that means taking a first step or whether that means taking uh, a thousandth step. Uh, Wherever that is, may we go deeper and may we know the deep, deep love of our Father. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.